11 o'clock comics, episode 65. You're not going to be able to hear us this week. Really? Really? Yes. War? War? No, I do like war. Now, but no, it's not war. Really big news. Shut up, shut up. I don't want to hear you Welcome to 11 o'clock Uncomfortable Comics. <laughs> I'm Vince B. Uh, I'm Christopher Neesman. I'm David Price. And I'm St. Walker. No, you're not. You know who you are? You're Jason Wood, having a hell of a day today on the stock market. H- hell of a good day. We're back, baby. Well, let's hope. Yeah. Only yeah. a matter of time. Only a matter of time. I hope you're yeah, right. Yeah, whenever you, whenever you have uh, the, uh, the world's biggest White Sox fan running things. Right, Wood? That's right. Well, you know what it is, Chris. They, the, uh, the, the fates understand that I have a convention to get to in a few months, so they need to, <laughs> they need to have me to have some disposable income. There you go. There some, you go. some lettuce, right? Some cheddar. some cheddar. Speaking of cheddar, this episode of Eleven O'clock Comics is sponsored by D D D. Screwed it damn up already. DCB Service. DiscountComicBookService.com. Are you tired of paying full price for your comics? Is three ninety nine too much for you? It's too much for yes. me. Well, I have the answer. I'm going to show you the light. Can I get an amen? Amen. Follow the light to DC, DCBService.com where you will find huge Wumba discounts on your favorite comics. <laughs> Can you please stop saying Wumba? 35, 45, 55, 75% Wumba off your favorite comics and collectibles. Not only comics, everything in the previews is massively discounted at DCBS. It's the way to do it, people. And your books will be securely packed. And uh, wrapped up in a nice little box, delivered straight to your door by a customer, costumed custodian of the United Parcel Service. I screwed it up. DCBService.com, they are the best. I saw the inner workings of that cherry little operation last as week. Did, as did I, thanks to uh, Word Balloon's uh, yeah. little video cast. One you my, ass, my, my, my big ass gut as well. In your, um, your barrel <laughs> chest. My barrel chest, my my eye fanboy shirt. Hey, I, I want to tell you all about it. We should knock out a drink roll call real quick because okay. I know once I once I start talking about uh, the DCBS cell, it's gonna it's gonna be hard for me to stop because I got wow. so much shit. We're both in the same boat. I know because I have something oh. I'm going to talk about tonight that I'm not going to stop talking about. I saw you tweet. I saw you tweeting about that. Um, oh. I'll, uh, David, uh, I, David and I are looking forward to just sitting back and, and being quiet. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. We'll, talk to you guys. We'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Um, uh, I'll, I'll kick us off. Uh, this is one I've had on the show before. It's it's really kind of a more of a winter beer, 
but uh, I had two of them in the fridge, and I need to go. I need to go to the liquor store. Um, so it's kind of all I had. But it is it is a delicious beer. It is the remarkable Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. So it's a it's a great uh, uh, porter with some nice vanilla undertones to it. It is a delicious delicious beer, but uh, probably not the best one for summer. So I'm um, gonna gonna come back with something a little bit a little bit more summery next week. I promise. So uh, what? Uh, I'm drinking a Tsing Tao, which is a oh, little Japanese beer. It's, yeah, a little Japanese beer. It's good. It's uh, mm-hmm. refreshing. It's ice cold. Things out. The way beer uh, should be consumed. Uh, it depends. Room temperature? No, ice cold. Ice cold. Okay, good, good beer. You can you can drink uh, room temperature and it tastes better. That's right. right wood. I th- I'm thinking I got Outcast running through my head now. Ice cold. Uh, got <laughs> hose in different area codes. <laughs> I got hose. <laughs> I got right. Vince, uh, what flavor of diet water are you drinking this week? <laughs> Pepsi Max, baby, all the Pepsi way. Pepsi Max, you know you shouldn't. That stuff's not good for you. Ginseng. Yeah, just drink ginseng. Make you hard. <sighs> oh, <laughs> boy. Talk about inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, you, you can don't talk about David's Peebo like that, David. Buff, <laughs> um, what are you drinking? Peebo, nice. Samuel Adams, uh, summer ale. Nice. Very good. Very tasty. Very tasty. So can I tell you guys all about my weekend? Please, I'm jealous, but go ahead. Uh, <laughs> my, my, two two guys, Mike Norton and uh, and John Suntress. Oh. Uh, we met at Mike's house at like six o'clock on on Saturday morning. Drove to Indiana, um, and, we, and we had figured this out the night before. But there's no way we were going to get up at four in the morning. But Indiana is ahead, is one hour ahead of Illinois. Why? I don't know. I don't fucking understand it, but they are. So we ended up getting to DCB service uh, for their 10th anniversary sale about 20 minutes after they opened, and I ran right back to the uh, the Nick and Scratch section, which was pretty good sized, uh, and it was like rabid wolves attacking raw meat back there. Mm-hmm. It was just absolutely, I almost I almost lost a hand, but... Uh, <laughs> This is uh, this is the the area of the store where they have uh, any, anything that's you know nicked, scratched, um, even minor stuff like stuff that had been unwrapped out of the cellophane, mm-hmm. and they can't they can't ship it as new to stuff that's like really really damaged, you know like torn torn off covers that kind of stuff. But the majority of it was uh, pretty good, and I I don't mind like a dog-eared corner or or maybe you know like a, a bent uh, a um, you know, a partially partially crushed corner on on a hardcover or something like that. So anyway, I will run down some of the stuff I got. This is all ninety percent off. Now they had ten cent back issues as well, and everything else in the store that was brand new was forty percent off. So you didn't. Oof. It wasn't just a a nick and scratch sale. I mean, they had a great sale, and it probably more uh, more collected editions than I have ever seen in one place. It really was like being in a very nice warehouse, except mm-hmm. all the product was actually on bookshelves. But it was oh. still, it was it was awesome. Go check out John uh, uh, John Centris's, uh word balloon short, and we kind of walked through the store. It was awesome. Um, I told uh, David about this. I wanted to make sure he didn't uh, or he had it. Uh, I would have given it to him. The art of Matt Wagner's uh, Grendel, a uh, big oversized hardcover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's normally. Forty bucks. I got it for four bucks. Um, four uh, bucks. Wow. <laughs> Vince, I think you will dig this. The complete Peanuts, nineteen sixty-seven to seventy. It's a two-volume set from Fan Graphics. 
Yeah. Um, the cellophane wrapper was off of it. Other than that, it is an absolutely mint shape. Oh. I got it for five dollars. Oh Damn. man, come on! Um, awesome. Uh, uh, Baltimore, the uh, the novel by uh, Mike Mignola. Yes. I got that for two and a half bucks. Uh, um, <laughs> Bent's another one that you'll that you'll love. The Witchblade Compendium Volume mm. Two. No hard kidding. Cover, hardcover. Ten bucks. That's fifty issues of Witchblade. And what did, does uh, that go up to? Issue one hundred. Yeah, it goes fifty-one to hundred. Oh, dude, that's the Mars stuff. You have to read that. I know. I know. I'm looking. Nice. Uh, the uh, Dynamite uh, Zorro hardcover, written by Matt Wagner and art by Franco uh, Francesco Francovilla. Francovilla, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, three bucks. The find that I was really excited about, the Batman Murder at Wayne Manor, written by uh, Dwayne Swarzynski and David Laffam art. And this is one, I don't know if you've seen this, it's it's not a solve-your-own-mystery, but it's more of a prose uh, book. But then there are are clues that are actually in the book, like, you know, different little props that are in there that you can take out of envelopes and you know it's got pictures and all this stuff really really cool especially if you have uh, a young adult reader that's interested in batman batman murder at wayne manor is awesome i think it was normally 25 bucks i got it for two and a half bucks a book that suntress had told me about and saw and told me that i had to get uh the mammoth book of best crime comics okay have you guys heard of this thing Mm -hmm. yeah uh, it is put out by Running Press and has stories by Alan Moore, Max Allen Collins, Will Eisner, uh, Dashiell Hammett, Neil Gaiman, tons of people. This thing is 475 pages of awesome black and white crime comics, and I got it for a dollar seventy. Oh, jeez! Uh, <laughs> I picked up some Criminal Trades, which I hadn't gotten yet. Good. Resurrection. The trade that just came out—that's the mm-hmm. Mark Guggenheim. From Oni. Oh from, yeah, from Oni Press. Now this was only six bucks or five ninety. Yeah, six dollars. Whenever it came out, which was a hell of a deal. So ninety percent off. You know, what is that? It's less than really a buck. cheap. Yeah. yeah, the Roberts trade. Um, nice. Just, just a big old pile of stuff uh i got a bunch of other trades laying around here i mean it was it, it it was ridiculous the the amount of stuff that that i i think uh whenever they rang up the discount it was like 480 dollar discount on what i had got so, so jealous yeah it was it was cool it was fun so you- i'm brat i'm bragging i'm showing off but i mean this is for me it was kind of a, a once in a lifetime kind of sale mm-hmm. so and you weren't the only one that got the deals because Steve Bryant uh, posted, oh. and he got a freaking haul too. Yeah, yeah, he was he was very happy whenever he was um, having the uh, the the big you know muscle bound men carry out his crates of collected stuff. He was getting like old EC, the black and white slipcase versions. The, wait, wait, wait! They had the Russ Cochran versions there. He got the romance one. Holy crap! Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to save uh, for whenever we whenever we start talking about comics a little bit later. Um, I saved one and, and put it off to the side because I actually want to talk about it because it was it was very fun to uh, sit down and read. So I got one more that was a a hell of a find, but uh, you know, I'll save that for a little bit later.
Hi everyone, this is Matt Kramer from the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, and I wanted to bring to everyone's attention a special episode of our show spotlighting the excellent book Rebels. In episode 41 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters, we sit down for an hour-long chat with Rebels scribe Tony Bedard and cover topics such as his experience as a letterer and an editor, his work with excellent artists like Andy Clark, Claude Saint-Aubin, and Paul Pelletier. We get some teasers to future storylines in Rebels, and many more topics, including Tony's nickname in college. You can listen to this interview on Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 41, which will be released on Monday, July 20th. You can find this episode at www.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com or search iTunes for Legion of Substitute Podcasters. While you're listening to this episode, why not stick around for more? We've heard that people have a tough time understanding the Legion of Superheroes. It's hard to keep track of which lad, lass, boy, or girl is which. Paul French, Darren Noel, and myself, Matt Kramer, make understanding the Legion as easy as possible. In our retro review segments, we take a chronological look at the Legion, starting with Adventure Comics 247, and have taken breaks in our retro reviews to visit the classic 80s Baxter Legion in An Eye for an Eye, and the current Jeff Johns take on the Legion, including Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. So hop into the time bubble with us every Monday. We'll see you in the future. You know what you didn't get, though? Yeah, I know. I tried. I tried. <laughs> you didn't get the Wolfbrain Omnibus, you, 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 you semi-thief. Zach, <laughs> Zach Crucy had your back, and I was like, Zach. Mad props. Hey, by the way, though, the point Jason is... will you're... never know. He'll Dude, never you're know. supposed to have my back, too, though. Honor among... <laughs> there's, not, there's no honor among thieves and podcasters, apparently. Well, yeah, but if I didn't admit it, that's even worse. So, well, if you had um, been reading, let me tell you something. If you had been reading off your list just now, and you're like, Man, I got the Wolf Green Omnibus, and I would have been like, huh, uh, really? For um, those that don't know what we're talking about, I, I had Zach asked me, Zach Cruzy asked if there was anything that I wanted to keep a lookout for. And I said, well, I love Omnibus, and if there's any that I don't have. And he said, are there any especially one? I said, well, Wolverine would be the one I especially want. And yeah. good old Zach, I guess, found the copy. And Mr. Neesman did everything in his power to try and talk Zach into letting him have it instead. I was, I was like, man, Jason didn't even come here. I drove I <laughs> seven hours round <laughs> trip. <laughs> um, well, thanks, th- so- Zach, for... Me up. My big uh, um, kind of like, ah, oh, damn moment of the day. But, you know, i got nothing to complain about. And this is actually the listener. I, I can't remember his name, but uh, a guy that was there in the Fort Wayne area. Uh, apparently, there was somebody that worked at, at DCBS that had gotten some stuff, you know, early on and put it aside and then decided late in the day that uh that he wasn't going to get it and so um you know i'd gone through the through this whole nick and scratch area and i'm standing there talking to cameron who who owns who owns uh, dcbs and and in stock and and i see this guy over by the nick and scratch and he picks up this book and i'm like there's no fucking way I missed that. And I saw him just kind of grin and put it, you know, under his arm. Fucking X-Men, Omnibus, the the Lee, Kirby, Alex, Alex Toth, that, yeah. stuff that just came out. Fucking mm-hmm. $10. Yeah, it was, it was out of the shrink wrap. Hmm. Other than that, it was, it was like perfect. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So that, that was my only, you know, like, ah, damn moment. But like I said, I, I can't complain at all about my haul. 
it was it was really just yeah. It sounds like you came away with some good stuff. Yeah, it, it's one of those that you're like, did that really happen? Did I just get that much crap for for that little? Um, yeah, it was it was silly. So now, anyway, was that, that, that was meeting Cameron. Uh, I've met Cameron at uh, Cameron always sets up at Wizard World Chicago, and he'll oh, be okay. there this year. So uh, no, I, I'd met Cameron a couple times. I see him like yeah, like once a year. But Cameron's mm-hmm. a great guy. Just uh, not a not a nicer guy would you want to meet. I've never met Cameron where he doesn't have a smile on his face and you can tell he just really loves what he's doing because I, I, I think he's very aware that there are a lot of comic book fans out there that are reading comics and mm-hmm. reading more comics because of the service that uh, and his business. So, Vince, you've met Cameron, right? Yes, he has beautiful feet. Oh, yeah, he, never, he wasn't wearing shoes. Yeah. Oh, he hates wearing okay. shoes. All right. So they they actually get mad at him at Wizard World. Do they really? Because he doesn't wear shoes. Because <laughs> he doesn't wear shoes. He's wearing oh, grand stock feet. I tell you what, though, I did see the um, um, the whole setup that they have there for for processing orders and their their shipping department. They got a nice setup. They are they're really really set up to 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 handle their business. So it was it was interesting to see you know that you know their entire facility and how they do it. Very cool. And Ben and and Zach there were fantastic ambassadors of the store and just you know took care of everyone uh it was the all the staff there was was great like really really good people salt to the earth people down in fort wayne indiana give them back to the community that's awesome mm-hmm. wonderful so there you go yeah so- oh oh crap i forgot um i also picked up uh the they had a huge manga section fence and Great. i got the first two both volumes of gyo for a dollar Good wow. score. Combined. Yes. Combined. 50, 50 cents a piece. And they were, and they were selling uh, tomorrow's uh, publications. I got the Miracle Man issue of Alter Ego that just came out for 50 cents. Nice. Any way we can get you to read the manga, we'll do it. And 50 cents a pop, you'll read it. There you go. Yeah. So it's Wednesday. What came out today? Wednesday Comics. That's right. Did anybody take a look at it? No. Uh, it's coming on free. Friday. Chris, you've it seen it? Yeah, I've got it right here. It looks uh, just as good as last week, man. That's what I was just um, going to say. Yep. Actually, um, the uh, the one that I would say not improved, but that just looking at it, I'm I'm really excited to, to actually read it. Is uh, the Kyle Baker Hawkman a little bit different look from last week as far as like panel and page layout? Mm-hmm. Um, looks great. Can't can't wait to sit down and read it. Is it the uh, is it the same lineup, same order, Batman and and Superman yep. on the third page and so on? Okay. Same same order. So does that mean Batman's going to be cut off every week with the big? See, big I was Batman? I was kind of hoping that that they would switch it up so that everybody right, right. would have that smaller size. But mm-hmm. I guess if uh, if Riso can work with those major constrictions, then then by all means. Um, no, I'm sure he's happy yeah. with that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, the the Ryan Sook Commandy is oh my god gorgeous. Yeah, you're not kidding. It really is. Wow. And uh, Mr. Bullock, again, knocks it out of the park with the dead man. Holy yeah. mackerel. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. Carl Kershaw. It's, you know, for I, I'm saying for the next 11 weeks, we just we uh, we just don't Give it up. call it 11 o'clock comics. We just call it Wednesday comics, and we'll just do yeah. weekly blow by blow on this. And Jose uh, Luis Garcia Lopez kicking ass on the metal man. Don't forget Kevin Nolan. Yes. Written, written by? Yeah, yeah. Who? Dan Dill Dill Oh, D Oh, Dan Dill's writing this. I did not know that. David, did you hear me give props to the anchor? I did. I that's I was speechless. 
Okay. I'll just, I just have to see you, buddy. <laughs> you know, I mean, not only, yes, not only is it an anchor and, and, and it's Kevin Nolan. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just, that's, that, that's stunning. But no, it's, uh, that, that's a good looking strip. Um, Michael Bread stuff looks awesome again. It, yeah, yeah, almost a full page panel, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? He does and, a little and, a little thing with the time and a and a and a hovercraft land. Well, no, not a hovercraft, like a like a a dual prop uh, helicopter type thing ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, there there are little panels nestled in the big one, but it's basically one big panel. It's really cool. The Supergirl mm-hmm. looks great this week, and I read that strip. I like that, Vince. After I got kind of gone back and 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 read it, it's um uh the most kid friendly. One, yeah, out of the, I I liked. I thought it was just fine. Man, I'm still not digging it. I like it. it, it there's nothing bad about it. It's just I'm just I'm not digging it. Mm-hmm. Not nothing to say about the creators because it is very good work. I'm just not. It's not in my my zone. The comic on the facing page is Paul Pope's Strange Adventures. Good lord, man, is <laughs> a is a maestro. Like I said, sex on paper. But if I had to rank them again, Pope, Sook, Bullock. And Allred, yes, I'm voting Bullock over Allred this week. The guy's just I amazing. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could chime in, but yeah, and, great. Yeah, you, 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 you can't rank these. You, it's like no, it's but just for it, shits and giggles. Yeah, it's what it's what's your favorite Beatles song? It's like you know, how am I going to rank anyone ahead of Carl Kershaw or Joe freaking Kubert? You know, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, what did we all buy at the shops today? I'm very interested to see what we took home. Chris, uh, you in particular? Me? Yeah. Why me? I'm just interested oh, I, to see. Um, I got my Blackest Night ring. Oh, you did? Yeah. Which, cool. you know, I want to talk about that just for a second. People people are kind of, you know, uh, very, very happy about it on, on the internets uh, today. And they should be. That, that's a neat little giveaway for um, uh, your comic shop. If you bought Blackest Night today, should have given you a, a Black Lantern ring, and it's a it's actually a pretty a pretty nice little giveaway. It's mm-hmm. uh, if you had gotten the the Flash rings or the Green Lantern rings in the last year or so, you will know that those rings were a little you know flimsy and and ill fitting for um, girthy comic book fans such as ourselves. <laughs> this is a much for bigger. Meatballs. Yeah, yeah. This this will fit on some meat paws. It's actually a, a pretty uh, uh, pretty good size ring. It's uh, for for you know man size fingers. But um, to kind of getting to the point that with Wednesday Comics and what they did with with fifty two originally, and then giveaways like uh, the the Black Lantern ring, they seem to be really conscious of trying to get people to go to their their comic shop on. If not, if not a, a weekly basis, uh, a monthly basis, and, and trying to get them in every week, and I, I think that they should be commended for that. I th- that they're they're very conscious of trying to get people to do that. So, um, you know, good good on you, DC. That's a good thing. Yep. Well, just uh, for those who do order from our sponsor, we too will be getting our rings. They nice. are sending our rings with us. So very cool. I didn't see the rings. Really? Yeah. I'll go smack your. Smack your. Uh... Well, I don't know if he had them because uh, I didn't buy it. So. Oh. Okay. I, what? Yeah. No, I didn't buy it. <laughs> okay. That's right. You you would kind of, well you would kind of decided that you were going to wait on that one. Uh yeah, I'm waiting for the eventual hardcover. I don't need to buy that in 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 chunks, and I don't care if it's spoiled okay. really, mm-hmm. because you know it's an event. I can wait. I'm not going to die. It'll be there. Look at you, Mister Discipline, losing yeah. weight, holding off on your comic buying. But you see, you know what I did do. 
I'm a hypocrite. I may be disciplined, but I'm a hypocritical disciplinarian. Oh, you would be because you if you weren't. I took the three ninety nine that I would have spent on Blackest Night, and I took the three ninety nine I would have spent on Tales of the Core, and I bought Dark Rain, Spider Man, Mister Negative One and Two. What? Yep. <laughs> now that is hypocritical. That is ridiculous. Only, only because I'm looking through. <laughs> I was looking through the first issue. It's really tightly connected to what's going on in the in the thrice weekly Amazing Spider Man. Hammerhead's in it. Obviously, Mr. Negative's in it, the spots in it. So if they're going to do the continuity in another one, I have to read Amazing Spider-Man. It's just too good for me not to read. So I said, if this is tied in this closely, i got to read it. And the art's really nice. It's by um, Gianluca Gugliotto. Gugliotto? Gugliotto, yeah. And it's Fred Van Lente. Come on. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, it's tight, it's funny, it's sharp, and the art's really nice. So I bought it. And it's Spider-Man. I didn't read it yet because I've been uh, had my nose in a book all weekend. Oh, yeah? Yep. Yeah, yep. What book would that be? <laughs> well, let's ease into it. I don't want to bogart the show that early. But oh. uh, it, as, uh, David Masichelli's Asterios Polyp. I read it oh, yeah. three times. Oh. Wow. Yep. Wow. 320 uh. pages. This is Daryl. I'm playing this fucking game. This motherfucker's trying to cheat on this motherfucking game. Fucker. And Captain America's reborn is not going to come out on time. This is not coming out on time. Fuck that shit. Motherfuckers can't get the shit out on time. Fuck that. Later. Fuck it. Captain America 601 was kind of a special book that came out today. That, yeah, uh, Mean Gene, right? Mean Gene. Yep, by, yep the, mm-hmm. the Dean. The Dean was uh, showing it off in uh, in Cap this week. So, may uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm gonna see how this whole. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm deciding if I'm gonna if I'm gonna continue to buy Captain America monthly. But I was like, eh, man, it's Gene, so I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. pick it up. So released oh, in two versions, uh, right? Uh, yeah, black and white and a color. I got the color one, and I may actually go back and see if I can get the black one. I have heard the black and white is to die for. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, I heard, uh, one second before you get into something, I heard that this is the last issue of Captain America before, until Rebirth is over. Yeah, yeah, oh. they're, they're putting it on a pause, like they did with Batman R.I.P. and over at DC. Ah, okay. Oh. Good, good, good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Chew on here a lot. Yeah. Um. If you cannot find a number one issue, be aware that The Walking Dead, number 63, has a black and white reprint of Chu included in the issue. And, and I think it's the same price, right? It's two ninety nine. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's very nuts. Cool. you gotta give, you, you got to give Image credit for that. I was going to buy it just because of the black and white Chu. I, I wanted to see how it looked in black and white, and I said, you know, because I read Walking Dead in trades, and it would be... A, exceptionally hard for me not to look at the Walking Dead part. And Same you know here. you just don't do that. Yeah. Because he he pulls out all the stops seemingly every issue. Same and here. I didn't want to spoil the story. But damn, I'm interested to see what that looks like. The Chew mm-hmm. uh, section. Um, it looks really nice in black and white. I um, I mean, it's it's beautiful in color. This, this book could survive in black and white just very easily. So, But um, I would imagine it has a different tone to it because the, the colors sure. are really sharp. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What did you guys think of Chew number two? I didn't get mine yet. Oh, yeah, Regina. Mine, mine, mine's coming in the box. Regina. Regine. My, Regine. Mine's coming in the box. Well, let me. I won't give him anything away. I'll just say that he's not the only Sibopath in the world, as we find out. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, is it a female? I hope. 
I'm not going to give it away. Wow, that'd be you cool. Hope. Yeah, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Mr. Price, how's your vacation going this week, buddy? I, I am enjoying myself. And? I am, uh, yeah, i uh done a whole lot of not much. It's been uh Plenty it's been of time to read comics then, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 not Marvel, so I haven't been reading it. It's um, uh-huh. it's uh, it, and that's and that's for John. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I've um, actually, I've just been, you know, we've uh, we've been watching uh, a lot of movies more than anything else. We've just been just been Which relaxing. Is code so. for, it's code for making love. You can be honest. Yeah, I'll be honest with you guys. It's just yeah. between us four, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. code for making um, love. It's cool. We get it. No, it's uh. I've 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 been oh, I've just been um I received the Essential Punisher volume 3 so I've been I've been going through that and um some Eric Larson art some nice Bill Reinhold art with Mark Farmer inks it's it's been a uh it's it's you know living back in the day cuz I wasn't uh I kind of focused on some other things Marvel related so I was uh I left Punisher like around the Shadow Masters era and things like that but oh, okay. uh um but it's nice revisiting that, and 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 of course, Acts of Vengeance is is in this <laughs> edition, yay! But no, it's uh, you know, I've um, there is a little um, well, I don't want to call it rinky thing. It there's a video store nearby who actually sells comics, and um, he uh, I went in over the weekend, Friday or Saturday, and um, picked up Wednesday comics number one, picked up uh, picked up Gotham City Sirens since it's got two of uh, well, it's got Poison Ivy on the cover and and mm-hmm. featuring one of the she's in it so I had to get that for Renee and um, I wanted to see Mark Bagley's take on uh, on Batman so I picked up six eighty eight but it's um just been like I said not not doing a whole lot as you can obviously tell from uh, last week's total three minutes of me on uh, on Marvel Noise so I've been I've been really <laughs> low key and under the radar this week it's kind of nice isn't it it is it is. Haven't been on. I really haven't been on Twitter all that much. You know, just really haven't no, been you haven't. around. So you've been it's a vacation for everybody. Yes. Yeah, so see, everybody even gets a break from me. Unplugged, right? <laughs> That's right. What uh, What did you think of Gotham Sirens? Um, I liked it. I don't know if it's. Um, I'm interested to see how much is actually there for a uh, for an ongoing. There wasn't. Um, you know, you're kind of you're 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 brought up to date pretty quickly as far as Catwoman and. Uh, and there's a mention of of Hush and what she's been up to, and uh, and yeah, Harley's not in costume, but she's still Harley, and uh, and there's a Riddler appearance. So I mean, that's that that makes it a comic for me too. Um, now you're a big Harley fan, as I recall, right? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I thought I picked it up because I figured maybe it would be the um, uh, the spiritual successor of uh, uh, Birds of Prey. I mean, I don't know why I thought that, but I just figured, you know, Gotham Chicks. It, it, I enjoy, like you said, I, I enjoyed it well enough. I mean, I, it, it was a fine comic, but I didn't, I didn't come away with it thinking this is something I have to order every month. So right. it's kind of just something I think I'll pick up if I can, you know, find it at, at a con. Right. On the cheap. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I, I thought, well, Harley's Deanie's creation anyway. So I thought, uh, you know, that her her voice rang true in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivy is is of course. Ivy and, and she's going to do things to to get her way and and, and I the issue kind of I like the cliffhanger at at the end of the first issue it was uh, it was neat I'm not sure you know since I didn't read the third issue of, of Battle for the Cow I don't know if if Selena knows who Batman is right now 
Um, so I'm a little, I'm, I don't know if, if, uh, I, if I, I would, I would assume that she knows. Yeah. It's, she's, she's pretty, she knows, I mean, assume that she knows would be my guess. Okay. All right, because cause Ivy and, and Harley ask her a question at the end of the first issue, so I'm not sure which one. I mean, they may not know there's a difference. Very very few people mm-hmm. do. I, I mean, Gordon might, a couple of his men might, um, especially with them asking if you know if they used to be taller. So it's it's um, it's I'm I'm kind of um, well. I read the first two issues of Batman and Robin, and and I know Morrison's doing his thing there, but I'm kind of. Um, I mean, I as so far nobody is you know Two Face or Penguin isn't gay or have AIDS, so so far winning is <laughs> right with Batman. Uh, Give him time; uh, it's only been a couple issues. I know. <laughs> well, so, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see who who comes down with something. The uh, but I think Bagley is is doing great. I, Rob Hunter, I'm not too uh, not too familiar with with his inks. It's not. Um, you know, he's not R.T. Bear. He's not. Uh, it's not Larry Malstead. So it's it's interesting to see somebody else ink Bagley and, and, uh, his Batman, I, I dug his Batman in, um, in Trinity and granted this isn't the stocky Batman that Bruce Wayne was. I think, um, like Whiteley, Bagley does a pretty good job of making sure that we know that this really isn't the same Batman. The body's a little leaner, a little thinner. And, uh, and, and the whole thing with, uh, with, with Dick talking to Alfred and Batman was a, um, it, 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 I think you need, I don't want to say you need, I, I think reading Batman in conjunction with Batman and Robin gives you a better understanding of, of where Dick's coming from. I mean, he has some great conversations mm-hmm. with Alfred in Batman and Robin, thanks to Morrison. But uh, but seeing Dick continue to talk to Alfred and, and, and you know, talk about the costume or the outfit and, and uh, you know, he for years he hasn't worn a cape and 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 the cowl is really screwing around with his uh with his peripheral vision and and uh i, I thought this issue of Bat- judging by this issue of batman i think i might get the next couple and and see where uh where it goes from there but it's it's been uh it's pretty much still still been a um kind of a dc heavy weekend around here especially with with, with renee reading a few things cool nice hey, um um before I forget, we're all fans of Chris Somney. You may want to know that uh, the Blackest Night Tales of the Core came out today, number one, and mm-hmm. it's got some fantastic Chris Somney art with a, uh, a Mongol story going back to his childhood. So just want to throw it out there. I, th- I, know I that, think uh, that's redundant. I mean, saying fantastic and then Chris Somney art, I just, I, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. just don't need. Well, there was no, also wait. some fantastic Jerry Ordway and uh, Rags Morales and Doug Mankey artwork in there as well. So I believe it is um, Chris and his wife's. I believe it's their wedding anniversary today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sixth anniversary, guys. So congrats. Happy. Now that Tales of the Core is a weekly, isn't it? I don't know. It's one of three. There, so there's there's yeah, an issue scheduled for shots. next week. Yeah, it's just three one shots. Yeah, well, that's, that's it, pretty it looks, good. It, yeah, it looks like it's kind of defining what the what each. What each color core is, kind and of their motivation, that kind of stuff. No, I was going to say we've really yet to be introduced to the indigo core, so I guess sometime soon here we have to be, right? Right. There's uh, of... an indigo core story, I believe it. That's the one that's drawn by Rags Morales. Yeah. Cool. Kind of what they did in the back pages of the Green Lantern Core with the uh, mm-hmm. the tails. So that, that's neat. 
More information is not a bad thing. Yeah, crib still scares me. (laughs) (laughs) A babysitter he is not. Mm. That's a she. Crib is a she. It's a she? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Get in where you fit in, Vince. Strap that on. (laughs) No thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, buddy. You you said you'd do anything. She's famous. Yeah, but not the freaky shit. No no dwarves. (laughs) No hunchback, <laughs> baby, killing monsters, nah. Hey, 11 O'Clock Comics, it's David D. calling. So it is Wednesday, July 8th, and I have devoured the first issue of Wednesday's Comics, and I loved it. It was uh, it was fun to read, you know? It was cool to just sort of fold. It was different to read. I loved the sort of punchiness of having to, you know, do a hook in a single-page story. I loved how big... Some of the panels were. There's so much gorgeous art in there, and uh, I love it. I can't wait for next week, and uh, I think it's going to be such a great sort of fun summer read to have. And if there are people out there that are still hung up on the paper quality, whoever knew? I mean, whoever talked about paper quality, you know, before? Did anybody compliment it when it's good, or did they just complain when it's not? You know, usually we complain about glossy paper. Anyway, if people are still hung up on paper quality, they can go spend four dollars at the stationery store. They can sit home and read. Wedding invitations. Because in the meantime, I'm looking forward to reading more Wednesday's comics. So anyway, love the show and be well. Let's keep this train a rolling. Um, are you gonna you you gonna unveil your your magic? Yeah, no, you're bursting at seams. You don't have to be yeah. polite. Jump it, jump into it, dude. All right, you know I might as well. We'll get this over I wanna with. I want to hear about it. No, I want to hear all about it actually. This weekend, I dove headfirst into David Mazzucchelli's Asterios Polyp. The build-up to this thing, as Wood has said before, usually build-up has a way of squashing a lot of enthusiasm because when you hear all this praise for something as you, and you realize it cannot possibly match up to all the, the kudos that I've read online and that I've been, uh, I heard verbally, it lived up to it and more. Mm-hmm. I was not let well, down in the slightest. I mean, I think you should give some background here because this is not a book I'm, that's sort of out of the blue. It's uh, Right. I'm going to give yeah. some background. All right. Now, I read the thing three times. Mm-hmm. Each time, I uncovered something different that I either missed the first time around or wasn't aware of because I wasn't... Once you know the character, and believe me, Mazzucchelli makes this, this the title character very real, certain things will pop out that seemed pretty innocuous the first time around and they they make an, it, it, it entirely more sense the more you read it so and yeah this is his first graphic novel in what 10 years it's a long time the last time we saw him was in the pages of rubber blanket i think yeah i think you're right so it's been a long time coming and he put his time off to very good use because I know we, we throw this word around we, we, we apply this term to a lot of books that maybe don't deserve it but are very exciting in their own right this is without a question a masterpiece the reviews have been off the charts for it and I have to say I can't wait to get it I'm like a dumbass I did not pre-order this I don't know why but uh, but I have to go out and buy it 19 bucks from Amazon yeah the title character Asterios Polyp is one half of a pair of identical twins. Unfortunately, his brother, who would have been named Ignacio, died during childbirth. So Asterios is extremely intelligent. Early in life, he developed this ability to instantly commit to memory anything he had read. He eventually becomes a graduate of Harvard and Oxford, 
became a celebrated. Pro- well, the guy's got smarts. He he became a celebrated professor of architecture. Even though his designs were heralded as, as brilliant, the guy has never had any of his creations built. He's he's regarded as a paper architect. Brilliant designs on paper, but nothing has ever been realized. The dude is an egoist. Very brash, very opinionated, frequently chastises uh, his students for having inferior work. He's arrogant, overbearing, takes great pains to project himself in a certain way. Like, there's a, a section of the book where his life just falls apart. But before that, he's always well-groomed, dressed in a suit and tie. His hair is meticulously combed, always smoking, very like a bon vivant, like a... a he has a superiority complex, and he enjoys intellectual stimulation only because it affords him an opportunity to profess his opinion and prove you wrong. So the guy's a pain in the ass. He'd fit right in in a message board, in other words. Yeah, yeah. But at the very heart of the, the man, he's extremely intelligent. It's just that he's so intelligent, he'll let you know it. The specter of his brother makes him question his own existence. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what if he had died and his brother had lived? To the point where he wonders, and he, he, in the narrative, he cites the tests done on identical twins where even though they're separated at birth, miles and even continents apart, mm-hmm. they live remarkably similar lives. So he questions w- whether he's living his own unique existence or that of his dead brother. Weird, okay. And, and Mazzucchelli illustrates this brilliantly by there there's a section where Asterios is walking away from his apartment and there's a a dashed line of another person walking next to him like the specter of his dead brother he's never without the idea that he was once part of a pair and that's something that Mazzucchelli pushes to the limit in this book the the concepts of duality symmetry equilibrium it infects the narrative. He'll he'll start in the present day, and then he flip-flops and does a flashback. Then he'll show another snippet of the present day. So you have this balance of past and present, which dovetail to tell the whole story of Asterios Polyp. It starts off, Asterios is in his New York City apartment watching videotapes that he recorded in his apartment. I'll talk more about that later. Out of the blue, a bolt of lightning strikes the apartment complex and sets it on fire. He runs to his bookcase and grabs three items. Now, this is where uh, Mazzucchelli employs the Chekhov's gun tactic. He'll plant an object in the narrative, the importance of which is not revealed until much later in the story. Okay. So he uses foreshadowing to great effect. He grabs a watch, a lighter, and a Swiss army knife. Now, the first time I read it, I was like, the guy's apartment's on fire. Everything is engulfed in flame around him, yet he makes time to grab these three items. Why? Mazzucchelli tells you why later on in the story. He has nowhere to sleep, nowhere to go, walks out of his building, takes most of the money in his wallet, buys a bus ticket to the farthest distance that the money in his wallet will buy him, which is a town called, appropriately enough, Apogee. Get it? Mm. Yeah. Gets off the bus. There's a car repair shop where the bus lets off. Walks up to the the man who owns it. His name is Stiffy Major. Sees a a help wanted sign. Takes the job and gets a room in Stiffy's house. 
But Asterios knows nothing about car repair. So what does he do? He goes to the local free library, leafs through a couple books on car repair, and memorizes the information in the books and becomes this guy's mechanic. Does he have a photographic memory then? He retains information. Now, whether that's a photographic memory or not, I'm sure if he, if he read a, a, a chart or a, a diagram, he could remember that too. But it, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the important thing is he remembers information. He soaks it up. But that's all I can tell you about the narrative without ruining the majority of the book. Well, you didn't mention his, his love. Is that well, I'm, I'm getting there. Potentially? Oh, I'm, yes, I thought you I'm just said you were that. done telling us about the book. I'm confused. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to hit the beats because a lot of the joy in this thing is uncovering the story as it unfolds. Uh -huh. Because Mazzucchelli uses this technique that's really sharp. We know Asterios is an architect. This book is a floor plan of Asterios's life. He'll begin each chapter with a small image surrounded by a huge amount of white space. He narrows your focus before you even get into the, the, the chapter proper. He narrows your focus to this little image that's an iconographic way of a shorthand, a little bit of shorthand of what's going to come next. When you walk up to a door, it narrows your focus to the plane of the door. You can't see what's behind it until you open the door. Once you walk through the door, your perception widens and you take in all the information from the surrounding room. That's what these chapter headings do. You see the small image and then when you turn the page, your perception explodes and he'll take you on the narrative proper with the conventional way we, we know comics. And each chapter heading is like that. Small image, a shorthand way of, of telling you what's coming up, hinting in some cases, and then once you turn the page, it opens. it's a floor plan. <laughs> But that's the thing about this book. Every little thing is carefully controlled. It's, it's thought out well in advance. There's nothing, absolutely nothing left to chance. Each character is drawn in a certain way. Asterios is drawn with rigid, almost straight lines, very clean lines, geometrically. And, and there's mm -hmm. a certain, there's a part in the book where it, it goes into his past and he's drawn with cylinders and uh, rectangles and squares, whereas the love of his life, her name is Hannah Sonnenschein. She's a, of German-Japanese descent. Her mother was Japanese. Her father's German. Now, I did a little bit of snooping. Sonnenschein in German means in brilliant sunshine or illuminated. Mm -hmm. She is the thing that gives meaning to his life. He's too arrogant to realize it. His life is so hollow without her. She comes in and illuminates, literally, his life, provides clarity to everything that goes on with him. And it's unfortunate because she, as a child, was overlooked by her mother in favor of her brothers. There's, there's a neat little technique Mazzucchelli uses where he shines a spotlight on her. And he has her mother speaking from off-panel. And as her mother praises her brothers, the spotlight moves away from her. In the panel, you see the circle drift from her body, and it goes across to the right-hand side or left-hand side of the panel, and to to symbolize that you know she's cast out. She she's not in the, not in her. She doesn't have her mother's attention. Unfortunately, that's the same thing Asterios does to her. One, they eventually get married, and um, he uses her as a tool to profess his ideas. Again, she's a sculptor. And as she's showing him her artwork and describing it, he kind of butts in 
and gives his interpretation of the, her sculptures at, at the expense of the person that created these things. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll say, well, I was feeling this, and he'll totally run roughshod over her, tell what it means to him, what he thought she did, not what she told him he did, his interpretation of it. So uh, th- there's a, a dream sequence where, where she imagines someone holding a pillow over her, her, her face, and it's a stereos. He's literally smothering her. He's not giving her room to breathe, to live, to express herself. And eventually, he pays for it. In terms of the way Mazzucchelli draws this thing, I, I don't even know where to start. I could, I could talk about this forever. She is drawn very organically, wispy brushstrokes. Her eyes are, are tiny, tiny lines, uh, wispy lines. So she, she's very drawn very fluidly and, and, like I said, organically. He's drawn very rigidly. You don't even see his eyes until v- there are certain circumstances in the, in the narrative where he's either surprised or he's distraught, then you see his eyes. But normally, he squints. And, and ironically, you only see the side plane of his head. He's always drawn in profile. You never see a three-quarters view of him. He's flat. He's not roughed out. He does, he has, the, the character is not... It, it's almost that he lacks three-dimensionality because he's missing mm-hmm. that the, the, no sign, the, the, the identical twin, and later on in the story, he's missing her. She, she doesn't, mm-hmm. she, she's not injecting her, her light into him. Mazzucchelli uses all the formal aspects of design to bring the story to life. Chris will know line, shape, texture, color. Color is very important in this book. He employs different color palettes for different time periods in the narrative. The, the present-day events are portrayed in purple and yellow-orange. Past events are portrayed in cyan, magenta, and purple. Now, I've read criticism of this tactic as Mazzucchelli spoon-feeding the reader, which I think is ridiculous because that's like chastising a carpenter for using a hammer to pound down a nail. He's using the tools available to him. Because the time periods are color-coded, there's no question at all when these events are happening. You know, sometimes we'll read something, you're like, oh, I don't, this is a little spotty. I can't tell when this is happening. There's no question. If the events are in yellow and purple, they're present day. Anything else, they're flashbacks or foreshadowing. It's Very brilliant. Cool. He also uses balance, like uh, the concepts of duality, symmetry, and things that complement each other frequently appear in the narrative and the visuals. So he's using aspects of design in the narrative, too. He uses literary tricks that mimic design aspects. I would say that um, I haven't read the book yet, but I really am excited to. I did read a, a, uh, an interview with Chip Kidd and mm-hmm. um, another guy from Pantheon. I guess because Mazzucchelli's not a big fan of doing of doing press, so he he he's neglected to do interviews for the book. He doesn't really have to. Well, yeah, but I'm saying that so they did this interview for him because he mm-hmm. just he he declined for to do an, an interview for ah. the book. But uh, but Chip Kidd talked at length, and I thought of you immediately upon reading the interview, which is one of the reasons I got excited for the book. Um, you know, I know you. Some people like to give you shit, like you know, Sal likes to rib you about how sometimes you read. He thinks you read too much into right. uh, a story but but what was interesting in this case is Chip Kidd said that uh, much what you're saying Vince that that literally I mean this is from Azekeli his opus literally every word every name every placement of the lettering every yep. font every color 
every panel was was explicit and for a, for a reason. That's right. It really is everything was with purpose. So so I mean that's that's the intriguing thing here is it's 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 if you think about the creation of sequential art as um, you, you know and all the different facets that go into it, you could argue that this is Mazzucchelli's attempt to sort of t- to really master the whole thing right from start to finish. I mean he's right trying. right down to the word balloons. Right, right. Um, Asterios's word balloons are linear. They're very square or rectangular. And even his lettering, there's no serifs on it. It's just a, a blocky, very linear font. Hana's word balloons are organic shaped. They're, they're very f- circular and flowing. And the, her, her text is very wispy and light with sweeping ascenders and descenders. So he tailors the, the, the person's dialogue balloons to the character. Mm-hmm. insane and it's not just for the two main characters each character has a different lettering style for the, for their dialogue yeah it's, it sounds it sounds it's, like it's he's, it's super dense but it took him 10 years to do right i mean he's been working on this on and off for for the better part of the decade right well it was time well spent you know what i'm saying is that right do i have that right i don't know i, I don't know if he worked yeah. on it the whole time but it's been yeah. 10 years he's been, yeah well he's been he's been out for a while what was the well you had mentioned it um, rubber blanket uh, rubber blanket yeah, yeah. So he uses balance, which uh, dovetails into his architectural designs, too, because all those unrealized drawings that he made of these wonderful buildings, they're all symmetrical, or they work in a way where one half will complement the other half. So explain something to me. Why? How can you be an architect your whole life and have nothing built? I mean, what's, what's happening that... They, they could is- unrealized potential. The, the potential of the, pa- the, the building dra- drafted onto the paper, like himself, like his character, is not realized because it hasn't been brought to fruition. Something's missing. His brother is gone. His designs have never been realized in the real world. Is he an architect for a living? I mean, in other words... He's a, he's a t- professor. He's a teacher. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But his designs uh, are celebrated as brilliant, but they don't exist in the real world. Yeah. We've talked about Mazzucchelli a little bit, but I know that there may even be some listeners out there that may not be familiar with David Mazzucchelli and why this is a big deal. Uh, we talked about Batman Year One last week, and I know we've talked about uh, Daredevil Born Again before and some of the other Frank Miller and Mazzucchelli stuff. David Mazzucchelli is basically a master of the medium, but this book that Vince is talking about is a completely different style and it's done at a master level and that's, I mean, I think that's that's one thing, whenever you see a guy who had already mastered one technique and then comes back and does something completely different and it's also at a master level mm-hmm. is it says something about the about the creative genius behind mm-hmm. behind this guy. What it, what, what it is is you've all read Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics? Mm-hmm. This is understanding comics with a story. Very cool. Now, he's a professor as well in real life. So right. I wonder, is there some autobiographical aspect to this, do you think? Could be. We would never know because I don't think he would profess that in an interview because it doesn't do him. Yeah, and plus yeah. he'd sound like a dick if he's like, yeah, I wrote a story about how brilliant this guy was and it's about me. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a stereos. <laughs> That's not, oh, a very, okay. not a very flattering caricature. So let's hope he's not. Uh, what else does he use? He uses, like I said, the balance. Back to that. His designs are founded in e- equilibrium and symmetry, which is an unattainable quality for the guy. 
that's what's lacking in his life since the death of his twin brother. He also uses proximity, alignment, repetition, contrast. Like I said, the different lettering styles and dialogue balloon shapes for each character. There's a point in the story where Asterios and Hana come to a reconciliation and the descenders on the dialogue balloons start to intertwine. They wrap around each other as the characters are speaking. How cool is that? To it, it's, he's, he's visualizing these two souls intertwining through their life experience. It's, it's unbelievable. White space, the methods employed in, in the beginning of each chapter. Like I said, each is, in, each is a doorway into a greater perception for the reader, much like a floor plan where a doorway is a widening of perception into a room. And shut me down if I'm going too long. Narrative techniques, he uses flashbacks, foreshadowing, like I said, with Chekhov's gun, irony, juxtaposition, symbolism, this thing is loaded with symbolism and metaphor, and illusion, all the literary techniques he can employ, he uses them, to great effect, three pages in this book that take precedence over everything that surrounds them, and I'll tell you why, and they're the key to understanding the book, in my opinion, one page details Aristophanes and his beliefs. Aristophanes in Plato's Symposium is purported, and I'm reading this verbatim because I don't want to mess it up. Mazzucchelli's words are very important and the way he puts them together. Is purported to suggest that the human form was not always as it is today. Originally, humans were spherical with four arms, four legs, and two faces on either side of a single head. Such was their hubris that they dared to challenge the gods themselves. Zeus, in his wisdom, split the upstarts in two, each half becoming a distinct entity. Since then, men and women have been running around in a panic, searching for their lost counterparts in a desire to be whole again. This encompasses that the concepts of duality and equilibrium and complements, which, in a sense, one cannot exist without the other. So, we, uh, from what I've told you about Asterios, searching for that lost brother, searching for that lost soulmate. And Mazzucchelli uses Aristophanes to detail this. Two, and this is a word I like to throw around a lot, perception. Mazzucchelli asks, what if reality, as perceived, were simply an extension of the self? Wouldn't that color the way each individual experiences the world? And he goes into this genetic architecture within the book. Like early, early in the book, Asterios is, like I said, very cylindrical, very boxy, very linear. And Hana is very wispy and organic. But he uses colors to detail this. Asterios's wireframe of his being is blue. Hana's being is magenta. And they're at a dinner party right when they first met, and they're speaking to each other. And Asterios's form, while detailed in the blue line, the blue holding lines, his color becomes magenta, and hers starts to be starts being outlined in the blue or the cyan of Asterios. And there's a point where, like the textbooks you had in in high school with the the frog, how you would overlay the acetate and you'd see the organs and you'd overlay the skin. He draws each character's being overlaid on the other as they're, they're talking and falling in love. Brilliant! And the final page, and this is the kicker. He goes into this a lot in the book. The Chaotic, Unpredictable Universe. This entire book is narrated by Ignazio. 
Asterios' dead brother narrates the book. Okay. He lets us in on a little secret. Asterios always preferred the gods of our ancestors. By giving them human personalities, the ancient Greeks could feel that the world made sense because only the whims of a bunch of petty bickering deities could explain the random events of joy and tragedy that befall human beings. Very important to the book because it begins with a lightning bolt. No one can predict where a lightning bolt's going to strike. It's an act of, quote, God. We're pretty much at its mercy. There's nothing you can do against a lightning bolt. And, again, with the symmetry, the book ends in very much the same way. Again, with the balance. A similarly themed event begins and ends this book. And for those who have not read the book, I'm not going to say any more about it. (laughs) So, I mean, in a nutshell, there's a commentary on America that trails throughout the book, delivered by uh, Stiffy's wife. Her name's Ursula Major. She's a uh, self-professed reincarnated shaman and earth mother. She's of Native, Native American descent, very spiritual, very intellectual, in contrast to her husband, who's an auto repair, a blue-collar worker. <laughs> and, and the guy frequently misuses words in sentences and uh, cliches. He'll screw them up. But he's, he's a lovable, very honest person. So there's the contrast again. Uh, he's very devoted to his family and his country. She, he's a believer. He does not question what the government tells him. She's a seeker. She questions everything. Again, duality, yet they complement each other. And here's another little trick Mazzucchelli employs. Stiffy and Ursula have a son named Jackson who has an imaginary friend named Ronnie Doug. Nobody can see this character, but they all take it for granted that, that he exists in Jackson's world. Asterios has an imaginary character, too. His brother. Okay. Yeah. It's nuts the, the amount of attention to detail Kelly put in this. There's a subplot on smoking. There's a recurring plot point involving St. Francis of Assisi <laughs> and devotion. Uh, Kelly injects the book with self-deprecating humor, targeting the medium of comics. There's a scene that Asterios kind of cast off at well that can only happen in comics it's like a a subtle wink to the reader one of the neatest things there's a a running bit of symbolism symbolism involving birds and the flight of birds but the neatest thing that i found in this entire book was this cleverly conceived concoction where asterios talks about this shinto shrine in in japan where every so often they burn the shrine to the ground and rebuild it and there's another little plot point where the drummer from this band that uh, Stiffy's one-time mechanic has a band, and the drummer has, a, has this theory where because we regenerate our cells, our body cells every seven years, that we're different people. And that's why that seven-year itch, we always, we, 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 you know, lust after certain people that even though we're in relationships, we have that seven-year itch. So that, that brings up the point where w- what is that Japanese shrine? Is it the wood or the masonry that they use to build it? Or is it the essence of the shrine? What is a human it's, being? It's is always it our, the wood, dude. It's always the wood. No, it's not. <laughs> Always the wood, Vince. Even, even though they rebuild that shrine with new wood, the Japanese will tell you that that shrine has existed for thousands of years. I don't think he got it, Wood. 
He didn't get it. It's all. Oh, it's always the wood. See, I'm talking. Yeah, he's, he's too deep into the. Yeah, I'm too yeah, deep yeah, into yeah, it. I'm too deep he's into on, it. He's on. He's on a roll. Don't stop him. Seriously. Ontolog- the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor. Ontological pluralism. The being is constituted and founded by a multitude of original elements, but they all combine to be the being. The shrine is the shrine regardless of whether the wood is new or not. The essence of the shrine is what that thing is, where human beings, the essence is not the body, it's the soul. Got to read this book. It's dense and complex, and it, it weaves in and back on itself like a Mobius strip. Each reading will give you something new. Masterpiece. I'm going to quit now. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. You have to read this book. I cannot express it strongly enough. Go get I'm it. Looking, I am looking forward to it. And I want to talk about this more after you guys have read it. Because okay, well. the, I have more to say about it, but I don't, even, the, even the, the, the front cover slams the, the notion of, of duality home. On the front, it's embossed a uh, drawing of Asterios in his dapper little suit with his cigarette. And mm-hmm. on the back, it's his post-fire version of himself. His sleeves are rolled up. He keeps his hands in his pocket. Not so much disheveled, but a lot more disheveled than he's usually used to presenting himself and that's embossed on the back cover duality equilibrium Interesting, you mentioned the cover vince because in this interview on in uh, publishers weekly chip kid says that the one thing that they did uh, that they, there was a discussion about how much editorial you know uh control or input went into the book and the answer was none save for the cover uh chip said that that the cover um as kelly had a much more abstract cover that that really didn't even uh you, you really couldn't even tell that it said the words Asterios Polyp and, and, and Chip and the guys at Panthown were like, well, listen, you know, it's it's already a pretty deep book with a pretty esoteric name, so I think we need to do something at least that's going to help sell the book. So so he, he gave in and let them uh, give it a much more um, aesthetically uh, conventional cover. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful uh, cover. And, yeah. yeah. Chip, Chip, and, Chip, Chip Kid is a pretty good guy to say, hey, can you uh, handle the design of the yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, there's a dust jacket that. that comes with it too, and it's really neat because the dust jacket does not run the entire length of the cover. A little bit of the particle board and purple fabric peek out on the top and the bottom. Very tastefully done. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I will beautiful. say this: you you haven't been as excited about a book uh, since Bean World. No, I haven't. It's this is masterful. I'm going to call him Master Mazzucchelli from now on because this book could only have been done by a master. You're not the only one giving it kudos, so. Yep. And w- once you read this thing, you will find out what the videotapes were for, the reason why he holds that whole uh, so dear. He gives away two of the three things that mean the most to him in the world. Why doesn't he give away that last item? You'll find out why in the book. Yep. Can't wait. Hopefully we'll love it. next week. Next week, baby. I, this is this is my new barometer of determining taste in comics. If anyone has read Asterios Polyp and didn't like it, they're off my list. Goodbye. Oh, shit. You have oh, no God. taste. Secondly, fuck it. Yeah, Mr. Neesman, I am drunk. This is Ford from the forums. Talking about quality and quantity, um, everyone should read Eddie Campbell's Alec the King Canute crowd. Because that is quality, and read that, and skip your week of books, and I'm on the terps, so, uh, fuck it, bye. Howdy, it's Ford again, sorry about all the mundane 
a drivel I was spouting last night, whatever it was. Um, just got reading Detective Comics again this week, and it is incredible. And it's like I'm going back for a third reading, back to back. Like, but uh, there's another great looking book that came out this week, which was Madame Xanadu, because Kaluta's going crazy in it. And there's lots of the Iron Belmont, which is always a good thing. But it's written by Matt Wagner. And, yeah. Also, this week I read Comic Book Comics number three, which is just shows how good the medium is in conveying any idea and educate. And it's a great educational tool because the pictures and words mesh together perfectly. And I retained an insane amount of knowledge from that, more so than I would from just a article stating the dry facts. But yeah. And talking about history, people should read um, Will Eisner's Shop Talk, which is really nice oral history through the eyes of um, creators from the, the starts of comics. But yeah, enough nonsense. See you later. Bye. I don't know what I'm going to first, this or, uh, or the nobody. Yes, Chris. Talk to us. Talk to you. Yeah, what have you been reading? And I'm sorry for rambling, people. No, no, um, no, no. You know what? Uh, the the only thing I really wanted to talk about tonight that you don't plan on talking about, because then I'll jump in with that. You know, you know what? You go for it because I I threw you a curveball because I was going to talk about something else than what I twittered about today. So you can talk uh, about that. Oh, okay. And, and I will jump in with you if you would okay. Like. Okay. Well, last week for those who are caught up on their episodes. In our little ending, read something. I said, please read Echo. And uh, I got crickets from my, my co-host buddies, who apparently no. had, none of them had, had read it. Um, so I figured, you know what, let me, let me get caught up on Echo so that I can talk about it this week, because it is a series that is deserved of much praise. Um, I feel a little silly following up Vince's um, discussion. It's always tough when you kind of try and talk about something that I wouldn't say is a masterpiece. So it's uh, it's not probably I, I'm not going to gush about it as much as Vince just did. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll team up on it. We'll we'll yeah. Let right. so, talk tag team. Awesome nice. in this corner, weighing yeah. in at a wispy 135 pounds. <laughs> Jason Wood. <laughs> Maybe my my left ass cheek weighs 135 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, too, I love it. So so Echo is the follow up uh, series. By Terry Moore, who who is best known for his nearly 15-year run of his uh, creator-owned and illustrated uh, *Strangers in Paradise*, and I think I think Tom uh, Chris talked about Echo not too long going on around, and he brought up a good point, which is that you know we've got we've got Razzle now um, with by Jeff Smith, we've got Echo, uh, we've got uh, *Glamour Puss* by Dave Sim, and it's very very hard to. Um, you know, for these guys that have had had these really long runs, it's 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 always you know hard to have that sophomore album, and sure. you, you kind of always cringe, especially <laughs> if you were a fan of that first work. You know, is the, is it, is it going to be a flop? Do they have a second great book in them? I'm not going to lay judgment on Glamour Puss, but I, I I have read enough of it that I can say to me it's 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 uh, it's not it's not in the same camp of. Of, of what Cerebus was, which admittedly is a near impossible thing to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I don't think it was designed to be, though. But you're sure, right. Sure, sure. Fair enough. It's more Expectations are one thing. Yeah. Um, I, I will reserve judgment on Razzle because, as we've talked about, I, I read the first few issues and just decided this is the thing I'd much rather read because it comes out so infrequently in a much bigger form. So, you know, once yeah. he's got 12, 15 issues out, I think I'll sit down and read it and probably enjoy it. <laughs> well, we'll, um, we'll, get, we'll get back together in 2016. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> 20th, our 20-year 20 20 reunion episode. Um, so, so Terry Moore, same thing. I, I know Vince probably is 
cringing because I know he's not a huge fan of Strangers in Paradise. Wonderful um, illustrator. It. Okay, yeah, 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 I know. You don't like his storytelling. I loved both the story, and I do agree. I think he's a great illustrator. I love the book. Um, so I, I was looking forward to this one. Um, I think where Terry has really succeeded with Echo is that it, it's a different book. You know, it's it's it's. I think a lot of people expected him to just go right into another effective soap opera, and it's at least so far, it isn't it? It's actually really a sci-fi story, at least so far. I mean, you know, who's to say if he has a long run if it doesn't get a little soap opery? But um, you know, it's 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 drawn by him. So those that are familiar with his art style from Strangers, it'll look very familiar in that regard. And I think one of the things that's great about Terry is he he draws people to look human. You know, I mean, men men aren't all you know buff, and and the women are curvy. But yet still attractive, you know what I mean? I mean, he he'll draw a woman with some, you know, with some shake in her bake, but uh, but, but 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 she's still cute, and uh, and, and I really like that. I appreciate that. He, he he draws real people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but in a really appealing way. I mean, he's got a very distinctive style. I think. Um, so the story is it's it's what we know so far is that a woman um, is out taking pictures uh in the desert um a, a rainstorm or so we think uh, ha- happens and she basically w- wakes up and she's got a uh, a silvery mercury like metal uh, covering her chest um and the metal basically is imbued with a lot of different powers and i don't want to get too much into why that is and and so forth but bottom line is she's kind of thrust into a very deep government program she gets involved in this program who who made uh this this suit this metal that she's now imbued with uh and and she certainly is ill-equipped to handle it she doesn't know what it is why she has it why it does the things it does um her life was a royal mess as we come to find out to begin with um she was on the verge of getting divorced she has some clear skeletons in her closet they've that they've alluded to but haven't really gotten into she's got a, a mentally ill sister that's in a in a convalescent home and and the bottom line is she's put into a situation where she's pretty much fucked i mean she the government wants to get her uh she doesn't have anyone to trust except for one guy that she just met a total stranger and uh this 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 book this book is the incredible hulk meets the net if you remember that, interesting. I don't know that I've seen the net. Is that the? Um, oh, it's the it's yeah, the the, the, the uh, it's the Sandra Bullock movie where uh, um, basically the, the the government is is out to um, kill her. Okay. And they're yeah, and it's and it's basically using technology. Or what was the Will what was the Will Smith movie with uh, Gene? Oh, um, Enemy of the Enemy State. Of yeah, this is kind of yeah. Incredible Hulk meets Enemy of the State. Yeah, I could see that. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so basically, she's she's got a living bioweapon on her, and and the government wants it back. Uh, she doesn't even know how to take it off, and you can see. Um, I think it's I've, I've read through issue twelve, and you can see that um, the weapon is far more powerful than than anyone's letting on, and she's kind of discovering it. Almost by hook or by crook, almost by necessity, things keep happening, and she needs to. The, the suit kind of keeps saving her ass, if you will, um, quite literally. And uh, it, it's, it's so far so good. I mean, it's it's been. It, 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 what's great about it is I read Strangers in Paradise in in all six phone books in like a two three month period. So I read the whole fifteen year run in one big chunk, and I was wow. curious as to whether this would be hard to read because it's 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 a quick quick read, much like Razzle. It, it almost feels like it's not even twenty two pages. It feels like it's fifteen pages maybe. And every issue though has been 
left you on a cliffhanger, uh, and it's made me just clamor to come back and, and read the next issue. And I think that's a, a great testament to it because um, I expected it to kind of read a little bit more choppy where you had to read it in chunks to get to get anything. And so far, that hasn't been the case. So um, all I'll say is a year into it, Terry Moore has, has followed up brilliantly, and he's done so in a way that I think this book should appeal to a lot of people that Strangers didn't. And probably vice versa. I mean, you, you, there's a chance that if you, lo- you could have loved Strangers, and this may not be for you. Although, I think uh, you know, if you're if you're a fan of action and, and, and sci-fi and government conspiracy, I mean, this is definitely um, yep. living up to the billing. The dialogue is smart. The characters are human. They're very layered. You know, there's clearly a lot behind each of these characters that you could see. This book could go for ten years, and we could learn a lot about the characters that we don't yet know. But you get the feeling that Terry's already kind of thought through, thought a lot of that through. So uh, I, I hope the book. It continues to be a success. I mean, I think it's selling reasonably well. I think he's he's happy with the numbers, and as long as he's happy, he'll keep putting the book out. So, yeah, read Echo. Now, you've you've read it, at least some of it, right, Chris? Um, I actually, at uh, DCBS, I picked up the uh, the first trade for uh, $1.59. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I uh, started reading it and couldn't set it down. It, I don't know if I would have liked it in single issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt like I needed um, that that kind of big, uh, big complete arc story mm-hmm. for it because I I really uh, it it was a page turner. I wanted to know what happened after oh, each definitely. page, and uh, and yeah, I, I I don't know if I had read it monthly if I would have felt fulfilled enough. Um, but sitting down and reading it in in one chunk like that, uh, it, it is a very good story arc. And you you kind of hit on all the points. If you like government conspiracy and sci-fi, and there's uh, you know um, real life relationship stuff going on as well. Um, there are real life complications in here on top of the the wacky you know new new science um, and and sci-fi action in it. So yeah, it was very good and beautiful. Like Vincent. Is a beautiful illustrator. It is. Uh, it's. It's really. It's really a gorgeous book and uh, great story. This dialogue. I. I enjoy it. I. Uh, looking forward to the second trade. Is there a second trade out now? You know, I'm not sure because I'm getting the issues. But it's like I said. I've. I've read through issue twelve, and I think I have two more sitting in my to read pile. So I would assume the trade is either coming out very shortly, but it's probably already been solicited. I would bet. All right, cool. Yeah, I I dug it. I thought it was great. Cool. And to his credit, Moore's kicking these issues out. He did what? Absolutely, yeah. 13, four, how many did you say you read? I've read up through 12, and I'm pretty sure there's at least one or two more in my to-read pile. So. In uh, contrast with Razzle, which has only had five yeah. in the same amount of time. So, well, yeah, he's really to pumping be fair, them out. To be fair, I believe Jeff Smith had said his intent was to do it bi-monthly. Okay. Moore's intent was to do it monthly, but yes, you're right. I mean, he is, he's so far done it every month like clockwork. And they, they look Red. nice. I, I've seen them. They look very nice. Well, let's I mean, it's a good, it's, um, did you, I mean, well, you're an X-Files fan. You would tell you. Yeah. yeah. I'll, yeah ev- I'll eventually read it. I'm not discounting it at all, but I mean, it's, I, it's I won't not. read Strangers in Paradise again. <laughs> that just wasn't well, your cup of tea. No, yeah, I mean, well, no. this is this isn't going to be as layered as as you know, the Mazzucchelli book. Obviously, no. um, it, it's it it's it's a yeah, it's 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 a different it's a different kind of book. And I like the fact that Mazzucchelli did not make us endure a monthly or bi monthly schedule. He put it out all at once. Mm-hmm. I love right, that. Right. That was the perfect way to do it. How many pages is it, Vince? Three hundred and twenty. 
Wow. Around around 320, yeah. But it, it's it's not... It'll take you about an hour and a half, two hours to read it. It's not a... There's not a whole lot of text, but mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're like myself, it'll take you longer than that because you just drink in everything he... All the little tricks he's employing to tell the story. Mm-hmm. But if you're just doing a straight reading, maybe tops three hours to read it. Mm-hmm. And... uh I will keep an eye out for Echo. How about that? If uh, I do see the trade, I'll I'll pick it up on your recommendation. Because if you like it, it's got to be at least half decent. Hello, 11 o'clock comics. It's Matt. Um, Just calling with a Daryl Stroke Christopher Neesman Super Scroll-like rant. Um, I would like to get Tomb of Dracula. Gene Colon, uh, Tomb of Dracula, the big fuck-off omnibus hardcover, nice big chunky thing, which I think is $100 in the States. I'm not entirely sure. It's like over 700 pages. I don't mind paying that. However, over here, um, you walk into your local Waterstones or Foyles Bookshop or WH Smith's or any of the other shops that we have, um, £75 sterling. You know, I don't mind paying fifty pounds uh, for for that kind of thing, but seventy five quid—it's just a bit extreme. Um, as uh, Daryl would say, they want us to buy the books, don't they? You know. On another note, I've just been out on a viewing with someone, and um, they happen to say on the viewing. Um, Oh, I do apologize. Hang on. I've had what you might call a moment of clarity. Um, got a friend of mine to pick up my books from the comic store. Um, when I got them, when the, he dropped them off at my house, um, the comic store usually bags and boards all of my books. So they didn't come with bags and boards, and I didn't, I didn't have a, a pack of bags and boards at home. So I. Um, did what I usually do and put them on my uh, on a shelf um, in the front room and arranged them in some kind of top of the stack order in which I'd like to read them. And I enjoyed the process of just grabbing them off the shelf um, a hell of a lot more without the whole bags and boards thing. I'm not there yet on uh, switching to trade, but Literally, I've just been grabbing them off the shelf, getting through them, and it's a psychological thing, you know, grabbing them, taking them out of the bag, reading it with tweezers that I heat up with a candle. Um, You know what? No, I will place them in a bag and a board before I chuck them in long boxes, but there's nothing wrong with having a stack of comics like the old days when you didn't care about a crease. Um... I'm sure I'll go nuts the next time my daughter wanders next to a comic of mine with a drink in hand, but bags and boards, I'm drifting away. This is a big step for me. Anyway, hope you're all well. P.S. Punisher, issue five, Rick Remender. Best death by pizza scene in the world ever. What a great book. Death by pizza. There you go. Okay, see you. Bye. I did just order Bean World, by the way. Hey, which one? <laughs> the first one, Volume One. Oh, you got two more to order. Well, let's see if I like the first one first. No, nah, you'll order two more. 
Wahula Zuma. I think you may like it. You might not even be Bean World's top fan. I think uh, Chris Burnham is probably. The, <laughs> give That's cool. Money. Dude, he, wants that. have, he wants to have Larry Martyr's children. I'll him dunk him in have the chow. They can have a death match. Uh, <laughs> but you guys want to want to hear about my uh, my other really awesome find and uh, and let me wax poetic about it. As long as it's not manga, you're Mister Manga now. No, oh, no, it's not. We manga. wish. Don't worry. About it Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, I why I wasn't that upset about the the X Men omnibus, even though I, I was one of the other ones that got put back into the the Nick and Dex section was the <laughs> uh, the Image collection of Frank Frazetta's Death Dealer. The, oh, no, overs- yeah, okay. the oversized hardcover slipcase edition, forty nine ninety nine. I got it for four ninety nine. Thank you. Damn. Oh, um, God. Tim Vigil artwork in there, right? Uh, yeah. The um, um, uh, nice Todd McFarlane forward in this, and, and it is. Um, I'll lay it out for you here. Uh, it, if people that aren't familiar with the Frazetta project that's been going on at Image. Uh, Frank Frazetta, amazing illustrator. I mean, really, you know, one of the uh, absolute masters of of not just not just comics. I mean, just he's a masterful artist. And uh, ch- try and track down his his comic book work because it is really some of the best stuff that has ever ever been put on paper. But uh, image, kid. oh, so yep. good. Uh, image came out with a, a series of comics that were inspired by paintings of Frank Frazetta. And uh, the, the Death Dealer is one of his most well-known paintings, and he actually did a series of six of them. And uh, let me see here. the um, He didn't write or draw the comic series, but there's a lot of Frank Frazetta art in here. Now, the plot is by Nat Jones, uh, Jay Photos, and Josh Ortega. Uh, the mm-hmm. story is Josh Ortega. Pen and inks by Nat Jones, and colors by Jay Photos. And you might recognize the name Jay Photos because he is who is the absolutely amazing colorist on Lock and Key. Right, um, right. That's where I've heard the name. Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. Oh, so, I guess Tim Vigil did the Berserker one. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, there was. I mean, they've come out with several. Uh, Remender right. um, wrote one, um, which was which was really cool. But this is this is the Death Dealer collection, and it's got the. I believe it was a four issue mini series. Great story if you are a fan of uh, Lord of the Rings or Conan. Um, Cull, you know anything with a with a uh, you know medieval uh, setting with a you know supernatural twist to it, or or any mm-hmm. you know fantasy setting, you know orcs and elves and and that kind of stuff. Uh, I won't get into the story. You should you know just pick it up and read it. It's, that that's the that's the the definite feel of it. Uh, you know it's a very it's a very Lord of the Rings uh, story. The actual name of the story is Shadows of uh, Marahan, 
and uh, it, it's beautifully illustrated, beautifully colored, but the extras in the slipcase edition, it's got a great uh, text piece on, on Frazetta and kind of his history. It has all six of the Death Dealer uh, paintings, and, and once again, this is a, a beautifully presented, oversized hardcover, so you get really nice, uh, nice size reproductions of the Death Dealer paintings. And then uh, if you're an aspiring comic book artist or writer, it has a really cool um, from script to paper section where it has the uh, the, the scripts for uh, several of the pages and then the finished inked page that, uh, that accompanied it. And uh, then some nice concept art as well. So it's a really nice package. Wow. I I, now, Frazetta painted six different versions of the death dealer painting or six different paintings with the death dealer in it yeah six different uh paintings with death dealer in them there's you know there's the the really recognizable iconic one of of death dealer on the horse with the big mm-hmm. fucking battle that's axe. I'm thinking of, yeah that that's the one that everyone you know thinks of whenever they think death dealer but yeah there's two three four five six yes six so he did he did six uh, six paintings that were all with the the death dealer character wow. and yeah and they're 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 gorgeous just absolutely gorgeous and then they uh in the story um i i have to finish up the last the last chapter of the story but they've taken the different paintings and incorporated them into the story and that's right. kind of the whole concept of the frazetta project is to take these paintings and then write stories around them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool so yeah i, so I have awesome. all the, all the original ballantine uh, art of frank frazetta books and how stupid am i i never realized that the death dealer was the character re- was, re- was re- reappears re- yeah mm-hmm. what what was i smoking hmm. i, don't, I know. don't know what were you smoking i don't know maybe i was too busy looking at the boobies <laughs> and and, Not, and the, yeah. <laughs> as as soon as you, as soon as you see these, you'll go like, oh yeah, okay. Obviously, that's yeah. that's death dealer. So. If you can get away from the fact that the image instantly conjures memories of Molly Hatchet, yeah, <laughs> they they ruined those two. Uh, what did they have? Two or three um, Frazetta paintings for their album covers. Damn Molly Hatchet. Don't be yeah. on the Molly Hatchet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would it kill you to play some fog hat? Oh Jesus! Yeah, yes, probably. yes, it probably would. <laughs> Wait, D- David, didn't you say uh, you had a little something, something? From uh, uh, yeah, here's a quick email from from Julian. Ah, uh, Mr. Lytle. Yes, uh, bust it, guys. Good past couple of shows last week. I just want to say I got my hands on Wednesday Comics, and it lived up to my dreams. I like every single strip. I even like Wonder Woman and Teen Titans. I wish people would stop hating on it. I guess these people don't read newspaper comics anymore. I really like Dead Man. I feel it has the best topography of the bunch. Wednesday Comics is so good. Blackest Night let me down. Uh, real talk. I must say, I think DC should get some credit lately. Detective Comics, Batman and Robin, Mankey on GL, Wednesday Comics, I feel are the best looking mainstream superhero books on the shelves. And side note, Vince. You're my man, Fitty Grand, but you're tripping on an <laughs> X-Force artist. Uh, King Dap is right. He seems to be rushing, and I must say, a bit lazy. His forms are all over the place. Doing work digitally doesn't excuse it, and that lack of overall direction with his art and cable artist is really piss poor. It's bright as hell in one book, and then the same scene is like pitch black aliens movie dark in X-Force. It's not a good look. And to be equal, <laughs> Titans and Teen Titans look whack every month, and yeah, I tend to agree with him on that. Oh. Oh, jeez. 
That is from our pal Julian. We're not hating on Teen Titans in Wednesday's comics. We're not hating it. We're just not loving it. Yeah. There's a there's a difference. I we I I'm I'm just speaking for myself, but we respect the time and effort and the visuals. But when you're butted up against some of the greatest talents in the business, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's safe to say that that none of us are running to uh, uh, find our copy of Wednesday Comics and and flip right to the Teen Titans page, especially when you're taking on Trident. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I can't convince him to love Clayton Crane, but you know, there's a there's a f- one thing about what he said that really casts everything he says in doubt. King Dap is right. What's that about? I mean, come on. Now who's hating? I'm not hating. King Daps, King, King Daps, he's, he's not right. <laughs> Man, it's the truth. Uh, truth. I'll take, I'll take where I can get it. It seems to be the only place I can. <laughs> oh, snap. Uh, Speaking we of, always love to hear from Julian. And absolutely. one more thing about the Teen Titans. Did you read Daryl's post? on the, the I think it was either in the episode 64 thread or the Wednesday's comics thread. He, Daryl, liked the Titans... And, and then the and the yeah, yeah and the Supergirl. So it's like everybody has different There's opinions, and they're all right. I That's I right. yep. I dug each for everyone. I, I I enjoyed the hell out of it many times over. Yeah. Um, do, I was uh, just kidding when I said about the clue, Julian Sharp. Okay. <laughs> like, like, Julian I, Sharp. You got to make. Would be scared now. You look over your shoulder. Yeah, no, I just okay, don't. I just, just don't want to. I don't want to tweak a brother because I love be a rumble him. on the forums now. Uh-oh. No, what side no. are you on? Do uh, on my side. I, I, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna strangle, I was gonna strangle sense this week. Why? <laughs> he don't listen. Yeah. It's all right. You can talk about him. The fucking forum. He says, says, is anyone around here red lock and key? Is it any good? It's like Jesus <laughs> Christ. Have you, do, do not listen to anything we say. <laughs> He's gonna, a good I boy. Gonna, I was going to murderize him. Nah, he's a good boy. Oh, I know he is. Just listen to us. <laughs> oh, man. We have a little yeah. class. Who is that? That's nice. Respect. Now, one of the things uh, I was reading, and I abandoned it for the Mazzucchelli book, and this is nuts that I put this book down, I started the second volume of the Joe Kubert Tarzan uh, hardcovers from Dark Horse. Okay. Oh, I, I know David has seen it. Have any of you read the Joe Kubert run on Tarzan from the 70s? Mm-mm. Oh, it's like butter. I, I, I don't. It's an, another one of those perfect pairings between artist and subject. I don't think there's anybody better suited to draw Tarzan than Joe Kubert. Mm. He creates this totally believable world. And in the introduction, he, he talks about the amount of research he put into it and how much he sweated it. And you would never, never in a million years think that by looking at the art. It looks flawless. It looks like he just was born to draw Tarzan. I would go with like John Buscema. Mm. Over Kubert? I don't know. I and maybe and not. I, maybe not uh, over, but alongside. Some, how about that? Alongside, yeah, alongside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're in luck. Busima's, uh Tarzan always a, was a little bit too much Conan esque for me. He yeah. drew Tarzan a little too bulky. Kubert draws him streamlined. He's it's just he's got a way with making somebody really thin and lean and lanky, and that's right. that's exactly the type of body you want on Tarzan. Kubert is a great Tarzan yeah. artist. Yeah. Did you know? And this is again from the introduction that because Kubert was editing so many books for DC, Deadline came around, and he was unable to do the both the the writing and the penciling and the inking on a certain issue of Tarzan. So he pulled in. Frank Thorne. Frank Thorne. Wow. Yes. Sonia. 
Gita Alcazar, or Alizar. Frank Thorne penciled the issue and Joe inked it. And if Joe didn't tell me in the introduction that that's what happened, I would never be able to pick it out. Hmm. Yes, he totally commanded uh, Thorne's pencils. It looks like a, a, a Qbert. It's amazing. And now, once he said it, I can go back and look at Frank Thorne has a, a tendency to put silhouettes in the foreground to mm-hmm. set the you know the the different planes apart and i can see that where that's not a, a, a traditionally that's not a cubert tactic so yeah i can see it now but just an amazing and the reproduction on these things is impeccable the colors gorgeous with one little i got a chuckle out of it because they reproduce the actual covers and naturally dc produced these in the 70s remember how dc used to put the blazing red blocky DC letters in the circle on the covers mm-hmm. and on the opposite side was the 20 cents there's now a white circle with nothing in it on every one of these covers they just took the DC off oh Jesus <laughs> it's nice. pretty cute yeah well worth the money they're 50 bucks a pop wow. but you know if again if you were to go back and buy those issues they'll run you like 10-15 bucks a piece in yeah. mint so it's worth it more than worth it and I just Again, Kubert, there are certain artists in the history of comics that are just time machines for me. I look at the work, and I'm I'm eight years old again. Joe Kubert is one of those guys. One of the first, um, DC didn't call them treasury editions, did they? The oversized comics, they called them um, DC collector's edition or... Showcases? No, 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 no. no. The, the, no. the big no, tabloid size comics. Oh, oh, yeah. What they call them? I think they were like collectors edition, Here, collectors oh, edition, shit. or something. Yeah, hold on, I, I got, I got one. The, the, this is just the big oversized ones, right? Yeah, like the old Shazam or Muhammad Ali versus Superman. Marvel had the Treasury editions, yeah. which were eventually a buck fifty, and DCs were only a dollar. So yeah, as a kid, the, uh, I had to budget the money. Yeah, I've got the big Batman, the Neil Adams, um, Razagul one. It's just a limited collector edition presents right. yeah. but the, the tarzan one was one of the first ones i bought uh, a dollar for a huge comic like that and i mm-hmm. read that thing ragged i just literally read it to the point where the cover came off and then i cut out remember on the back covers they used to have these do-it-yourself dioramas where you'd you'd, you'd cut out the foreground and then they would give you a a background that you would curl around so it would look like a cone cut in half where you'd have the front plane and then the the, the background would bow out so when you looked at it head on it would kind of sort of look 3d why well, I, I cut that out of the tarzan one it was a, a volume i'll never forget it the best tarzan i think anyway so yeah joe kubert topical with his sergeant rock strip in wednesday's yeah, comics definitely yep. I, he's he's in his 80s now right yeah wow good for and him. still chugging still away it. Yeah. Never yeah. lost it. It's nice to see some of these guys getting work, right? Gene Colan doing Cap and mm-hmm. him doing this. It's great. These guys still know how to draw. Sorry, I just, I just got trapped by, by Neil Adams. I couldn't set that down. I had to look at it. Hey, guys. This is Mr. Winter from the forums. Just uh, This is my first call, and I wanted to uh, call and say thank you for such a great show and hours and hours and hours of... Uh, uh, endlessly entertaining podcasts. Uh, the reason that I'm calling, actually, this week is that uh, <clears throat> I'm in a bit of a quandary. I have uh, uh, three comic books sitting in front of me uh, from this uh, past Wednesday's stack. And I can't decide if I'm irritated or entertained by 
what I've read. And I thought I would uh, call my friends at 11 o'clock comics and get your input. Uh, let me clarify a little bit what I'm talking about. The three comics are Dark Avengers number six, Green Lantern number 42, and the latest issue of Captain Britain. I don't have the issue number because I don't have the issue in front of me. I lied. Uh, but it's the one with Dracula on the cover um, feeding on Captain Britain. Um, now, I'll try to be quick. Uh, I guess that what has me a little irritated about uh, Captain Britain and Green Lantern is that both left us in the last issue with some uh, fairly compelling plot developments. Uh, spoilers for anyone who has not read those issues, but uh, Green Lantern left us with uh, Larfleys chopping off Hal Jordan's arm uh, and being inducted as a Blue Lantern, and Captain Britain uh, left us with Dracula uh, uh, killing most of the, uh, the uh, MI-13 gang as well as some of uh, Captain Britain's uh, companions. Um, now, let me say, I, I don't mind when, uh, obviously with comic books, we can't expect major uh, life-altering uh, events to happen in every issue. And it cer certainly goes without saying that there's always a little bit of smoke and mirrors with, with regard to seemingly major plot developments. But uh, as I read the latest issues of each, I couldn't help but be a little disappointed, uh, as, as is revealed in the initial pages of, of, of both books, um, the we quickly see that what we saw in the final panels of the previous books uh, just simply is not the case. Uh, and actually, it's, 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 it's I, uh, coincidental, but uh, both books sort of uh, solved the issue in more or less the same way. That is to say, making the villain believe that something, something had happened that had not happened. And I'll leave it at that so as not to spoil uh, it any further than I already have. Now, the other issue that I'm having is with Dark Avengers number six. Dark Avengers continues to be a great book, really enjoying it, but I'm looking at the cover and I'm seeing uh, what appears to be, I guess, the Venom uh, type of creature. Um, and he is eating uh, the uh, Novar, or not eating, I'm sorry, he is uh, chasing Novar um, with his tentacles um, in some kind of a corridor. Um, all fine and good, except that in the pages of the book, not only do we not see this scene, uh, we do not see Novar, and we do not see anything suggestive of this scene, uh, save for a small scene involving uh, uh, Venom and, and another character uh, completely unrelated to Novar. Now, I guess that we're going to have to see how this storyline plays out to know whether or not this this uh, cover was misleading. And again, I'll say this is definitely not the first time in comic books that what we've seen on the cover of a book was did not occur within the book. That that's, It just goes with the territory. Uh, but it, still, I, it was just a little, I don't know, a little uh, perturbed that, uh, I mean, nothing remotely resembling this scene occurs within the pages of this book. One of the characters on the cover of this book is not even within the book. Now, again, as I said, uh, it may turn out that 
what we're seeing on the cover has occurred in the past. There's a uh, there's a reason we don't see Novar in the book. Um, that's that's alluded to briefly. So maybe this all will tie to tie together. I'm just being a, a comic book curmudgeon. Um, in which case, I'm counting on you, uh, you guys to tell me as much because uh, that's sort of the purpose of this call is to uh, see if I'm totally off base or if I uh, may may have a point here. Uh, in any case, uh, all three books, in spite of my in spite of, in spite of my uh, concerns, uh, are continue to be great reading. Um, I also read uh, Thor uh, this week. I picked up Thor with issue number 600, and 601 and 602 have both been outstanding as well. So, I will uh, with that. I will cease my rambling. Um, thank you for your time. And if this uh, message is too long or too rambling to play on the air. I certainly understand and will not be offended if you choose not to use it. Uh, thank you again so much for a great show. It's uh, one of the highlights of my week on Friday mornings to uh, sit down at the computer, uh, pull up iTunes, and crank that podcast and, and spend uh, anywhere from two to three hours listening to you guys uh, talk about comics and, and uh, other great things. So. Thanks again so much. I'll hopefully uh, talk to you soon and maybe meet you one of these days. Take care, guys. Bye. You know what I'm I'm buying up? And you, it's odd you should uh, mention Neil Adams. I'm going back and buying up issues of continuity comics. Oh, mm. sure. I never Sam realized Marie. how. Yeah, I never realized how good those damn things were at the time. Death Watch oh. 2000 and the Revengers. Yeah, Valeria the She Bat. Now, naturally, yeah, continuity. Yeah, that whole thing with Todd. But yeah. yeah, but Continuity Studios, they were all, not to be nasty, but they were all Neil Adams clones to a certain degree. He taught yeah. them. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was it was his studio. I mean, it's his. I mean, I don't know where the comic book studio ends and the advertising studio begins, but it's. I mean, obviously, he had, um, he had everybody illustrate like him. Um, but you also had uh I remember it was Mark Beecham on uh on yep. Saint Marie you had I remember the Revengers and Megalith and um oh crap. Uh was it silver armor or just armor? Uh, armor. Um I got one right here. And then his brother, Thanks. right? I, yeah, I used to buy those at the newsstand. I, I used to enjoy those know. a lot just because they were something different. Yeah, just because they were something different. It wasn't Marvel or DC, and, and it was, uh, I mean, the, they were the first company to do the, uh, like, try to come out with the Tyvek destructible cover. Yeah, that um, goofy cover you couldn't rip. Yep, they had some uh, some glow-in-the-dark, like, not felt, but, I mean, they Neil was just trying some crazy stuff and i don't i don't think any series ever actually ended crazy man and and they just kind of all they everybody were the first was to do bucky o'hare too weren't they i want to michael say yes. goldens remember your kids don't read television but they do buy and read comic books which may be the only type of literature they'd purchase with their own money shouldn't your kids read quality continuity comics Good writing, good drawing, highest quality color reproduction, highest quality paper, highest quality high adventure. Search them out. They're worth looking for. You're probably holding one right now. Yeah. There's, there's nothing in those books for kids. That was not a kid's comic book. <laughs> this is a copy of Prelude to Death Watch 2000, the Megalith edition, and it's got uh, Ms. Mystic on the front, a Neil Adams creation, with Megalith, and there's a silver foil circle on the cover beautiful another foil cover so yeah 
Continuity Comics. I'm trying to retreat from the current price of comics and go into the past and buy up these good, <laughs> from what I've heard, good comics, cheap. They're, they're beautifully illustrated at the very least. So, I mean, you can get them for a song. So you don't have to buy current comics to stay in the game. In the game, Wood. In the game, Vince. That's right. To so, the hole, buddy. Is that Probably all she let's wrote? Let's wrap it. Let's, let's wrap it. Let's wrap it. We've graced them with our presence enough. Let's put a bow on this shit. <laughs> Once again, Put a Jimmy hat on it. Come on. Thank you very much to DCBS for sponsoring this little dog and pony show. Discount comic book service. DCBService.com. You can get your favorite <laughs> comics at huge, <laughs> huge discounts. Twenty Wumba. Wumba discounts up to sometimes seventy five percent off. It's crazy good. DCBService.com. Check them out. And in your travels, do yourself a huge favor and read Asterios Polyp by David Mazzucchelli. And when you're done with that, buy Spawn, because it's good. Plantanus. That means crazy good. Um, I'm going to read some Tank Girl this week. So join Nice. Oh. Jamie Hewlett. Blast from the past. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, I love Tank Girl. Uh, read uh, just not the movie. I didn't mind it. Okay. It, yeah, uh, I, I wasn't as vehement about it as most people were. They're like, it's nothing like the comic. Oh, well, that's what happened. Oh, it is. Who hears that these days? I know. Uh, read uh, Madame Xanadu. I'm going to. Just picked up the trade today. Yeah. Man, all right. I got it in my box. 12 issues? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Or, or twelve ninety nine for ten, whatever. Ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten, yeah. Ten issues, thirteen bucks. Yeah, and then issue eleven with uh, Michael Kaluta artwork. Oh, hey. gorgeous. Uh, let's see. Read first. Read two web comics. Wondermark, which is awesome, um, and and a collected edition of of the web strip is coming out. So read that if you don't like to read web comics, and read our boy Julian Lytle's Ants. Yep, which comes about once a week. Yes. And if you don't feel like looking at it on the web, I would say read Proof, because we haven't talked about it in a while. But yep. it's still damn good. Thunderbirds Are Go Trade is out, Volume 3, I believe. Word to your mother. Yep. Oh, and if you're a Savage Dragon fan, you should definitely pick that up. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. I read uh, I read 150. I bought 150 and read it. Oh, the of Dragon? Yeah. First first Savage Dragon I've read since, I don't know, 1996. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it make the jump to the pull list? It was quite. It was quite good. I mean, hundred. It was a hundred pages of of goodness. It was worth the price tag. So, but I'll, I'll probably buy it opportunistically. Ah, well, it's better than nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, people. David. Yes. Vincent. Do you? You said your read. I said to read Madame Xanadu. Yeah, that's but right. You see, did. Nobody listens. I no, co-host. You know it's all good. I David. listen to you. Hey, David. You know what it is? I'm working it's the board. It. I'm sliding Vincent's, the things uh, here. <laughs> Vincent's 500 calorie a day diet. He's got doesn't have, have enough blood going to his brain. I, right before I sat down to record this episode, three miles. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. How's the uh, How's the muscle pull? Get this. Doesn't hurt when I stand up, but when I sit down for any length of time and I try and get up. I can feel it. It stings. My mother said it's my sciatica, whatever the hell nice. that is. Nice. I don't know what that is. <laughs> sound like they should be on tour with Metallica. All right. Thank you very much for being here, and we will see you yes. again uh, next week. We love you so Peace much. Out. So much. Bye. Bye. Got so many comics to read. Call me. Oh, and if anybody has any continuity comics laying around, send that shit to me. I'll review them. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. <laughs>